Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Welcome to the Bone Cave. The Bone Cave is changing and ever-evolving, for those of you that don't know. Um, We're always bringing in new species, new animals that we have... uh, um, wanted to decorate or adore our place with. It's artwork. <laughs> and uh, it's artwork. <laughs> anyway, um, it, we're at uh, we're in Spearfish, South Dakota. Give us a shout out if you're ever coming through here. We are the gateway to the West. If you're out in Wyoming and Montana, a lot of times I-90 brings you right through this, right? Correct. And uh, so it's a great city. Um, and if you're coming here, you know what? You need to stay at the Lodge at Deadwood. Um, seriously. They, they are... Um, we know Anthony super well. And they eat, eat at the grill and order Bangkok shrimp for an appetizer. Do not <laughs> screw up. Do not let the waitress give you the different shrimp. Bangkok shrimp to die for. You could eat it as a whole meal. It's a little plug there. Well, you them. know what? It's funny you it. say that. I, I you like, like the, you I like do the like shrimp the, wrapped in bacon. The only reason why? Because you get the sweet potato fries. And I hate sweet potatoes, but I love their sweet potato fries. But you know why I like them? The chipo- homemade chipotle ketchup. Uh, super good. Oh, man. So anyway, I eat on, I eat on the grill So side we're last. eating here. If you hear somebody munching, it's because Brad's <laughs> having lunch. <laughs> so we ate, on the, we ate on the grill side because, you know, they're only open Friday, Saturday with COVID BS right it, now that, still, right? Yeah, it's now called COVID employment issues. COVID. COVID. So anyway, staffing. Staffing. <laughs> before Jackson went back to college, we ate there. And I said, okay, I want the Bangkok shrimp from the other side. Right. Two of those as an appetizer because we just... <laughs> You know, it's yeah, just like just, eat them up. just like sharks in the ocean, right? And uh, she brought us the wrong ones, and we were all so hungry, we just dove in. But I was like, Brian likes these; these are his deal. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I do, I really like. I don't like the shrimp better, but I like those fries. So anyway, I'm Brian Maiman, founder of Rolling Bones Outdoors, and we got Brad Dana um, here across uh, from me. Uh, hashtag three ninety three. And if you want to know why, you need to listen to some of our last episodes, but. Last year, about this time, I think, uh, right in here. Ooh, six days from now in six a year. Six days from now, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking of it actually this morning yeah. because I was uh, I woke up at 3.30 and uh, wide awake, and the last time I woke up at 3.30 was almost a year ago. You were talking to Eddie Wallace, and, Officer uh, Eddie um, Wallace from Belfouche. I got pulled over going through <laughs> Belfouche, but we did kill a giant uh, <laughs> killed a giant bull that day. So anyway um, – and then we have, as always, Bleep here. So uh, um, it's good to have you guys, and it's good to be on the podcast. Good to be here. And Brian Martin is out. Yeah, Brian right. Martin's in. Uh, um, he's he's actually sheep hunters. Yeah. We, in, we all got distracted by sheep season this year, didn't we? Yeah. And he's, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about Brian. You know, what a life. You know, no, no, he's never been married, and he doesn't have any kids, but he does <laughs> He does have more friends than a person could. He, he he's genuinely has a high-quality lifestyle because of the friends he surrounds himself with. And think of this. He's a nomad. He's got a nomad lifestyle. I, I understand. Exactly. But think of this for just for a second with me, okay? You're 47 years old, okay? Rewind 30 years. You're 17. And you say to yourself, you know what would be awesome? To be an international sheep guide for a professional living And that's what you need. That's what I'm going to do when you're 17. I'm going to see the world, kill the biggest rams, cater to the highest end clients in the world. And that's going to be my life. And and you're a bright guy and you become an engineer first. Right. You go to college, you get two degrees. So, I mean, you think of his life and it's pretty peculiar to me and and how it all happened. It's funny. It wasn't an accident. No, it wasn't an accident. It was was actually by design. If you believe in God, God went, dude, that's (laughs) going to be you. That's what you're going to (laughs) do. Because Mason really likes Brian, right? Right. And uh, 
But Br- Mason doesn't know Brian like he doesn't know know him because right. he was like shocked because this summer Mason took calc in college online. Right. And Brian was like, oh, yeah, I remember taking calc. And Mason was like, you took calculus? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went all the way up through calc, whatever, you know, yeah. calc three. And Br- Mason's like, ooh, cool dude. And now he's elevated because yeah, he's Yeah, now he's right. intelligent cool dude. <laughs> So anyway, that, that's funny. Yeah, you never know where you need calculus, <laughs> you know, when you're 15,000 feet in the Himalayas and you have to calculate density altitude, well, right? Here's the reality. I've never used a derivative or any of that. You know, I, I, all of that stuff I wiped out from my memory banks after I, <laughs> after I took that, those classes there. Well, calculus, a- calculus is gone. Biochemistry. <laughs> my, son, my son goes, oh, man, organic chemistry, it's, it's hard. And I go, well, that was, the, that was the weeder outer in my undergrad. And he goes, oh, geez. He goes, do you use it a lot? And I go, no, never use. I never need to know about that, it benzene was a rings. Router. <laughs> it, it, uh, so. So, so here's the thing I will tell you, though, that I was on a sheep hunt before the days of ballistic angle mm-hmm. calculation. And uh, my outfitter and I sat there um, and tried to do the Pythagorean theorem on uh, – um, a uh we tried to measure right, right. it and well we've done that in montana you know, and we have we've laid it out yep. and then kind of to scale and because where we because we we knew how far the the <laughs> buck was and we knew how far we could sneak to this ridge but the unknown was was, was the, the hypotenuse no yeah. no we knew the hypotenuse but <laughs> and we didn't angle. know the length we, we knew the base mm-hmm. we didn't know the length so we figured it out i was like okay we can get there and hold we on were, and we were pretty damn close both times there's <laughs> a word for that <laughs> so anyway it, so i don't think being smart ever hurts anyone um but uh but brian martin sure is uh um, one of a type, and uh, boy, I tell you what, is he a, he's a wealth of knowledge. He has a plethora of information at every given corner, right, or every given turn. So anyway, big shout-out to him. Hopefully he's being stay, uh, safe and healthy. Today we're going to talk about my sheep hunt that I just got back from, and, uh, and we're going to dive into some specifics because it was an interesting, it was an interesting adventure for me personally. And uh, but we're going to break it up into a few areas. So just to help you guys out as you follow along and maybe um, bleep, you were talking about giving in the notes. Maybe they could jump forward to a couple of things. But uh, the outfitter and why I personally book there, we get that question often. So where do you book, Brian? Where do you book, Brad? Where where do you where does Kelly book? Where does Mary book? Where does Lindley go hunting? Can we go to those places? Because a lot of times there's a there's a misconceived um, perspective, if you will, or a misconceived notion that we we try to put ourselves in a preferential treatment. And you are exactly right. We do. We try to put ourselves in your shoes going in so you get the preferential treatment when you go in there because we want to find outfitters um, that do that for all of our clients, no matter what your first or last name is, what company you're with or not. And I know no, we talked about that last night, uh, last time, uh, Bleep, and we've talked about that a bunch, Brad. And so today we're going to talk about that. The second thing we're going to talk about is the hunt itself, what worked, what didn't. And then we'll go through um, uh, the uh, vetting reoccurrence, if you will. Uh, wh- why we go back and keep inspecting and ex- uh, what our expectation is as we go. And then uh, um, the value in our environment um, that lives, I, I call it an environment, but maybe I want to call it an ecosystem, that, that hunt catalog of ours. What the real value in that um, hunt catalog is. Does that make sense? I think it does, Brian. One of the things I was going to mention too, because I know you know these these gals here work really hard on that, is that it's it's a kind of a living document. It's very right. dynamic. It's, good... it's not something that's put in stone and then never changes. It's constantly being evaluated and updated. And this, which you're going to describe today to all of our listeners, is a quintessential example of that. And I don't think that a lot of people may not realize this, but when when Brian or Brad go into a camp, when they book a hunt, they go in just like you would. They don't ask for any special treatment. They pay what you pay. They experience what you experience. And, and I just want to make that known because I'm not sure everybody knows that. Just because you're the owner of the company or the founder of the company, um, isn't necessarily going to give you that preference. Or and we, Brian, don't, and we don't look because for that. We, don't, we were right. actually talking about this that this morning. I'm like, yeah. Brian, does it seem like sometimes because we are who we are, we don't get 
the easy hunt. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's see if we can exactly, kill, yeah. let's see if we That's can it. kill these guys. Well, we we've had that. These, these outfitters go, we're going back where nobody's ever went before. So it's actually the ad. We have it's sort of the opposite of what people would think. But anyway, the, the outfitter and why why we booked here, okay, and I'll just set it up, um, is that this particular outfitter for the last seven years has produced some of the biggest rams in all of the Alaska range, okay? It's in a peculiar place in the Alaska range. It's in a very unique setting in the Alaska range, and it's produced two things, very mature rams and big rams. So genetically, it's had big rams, and it's had mature rams. Uh, and, uh, and for the most part, you're alone back there. Yep, and, and um, you're, you're isolated and insulated both ways from – um, uh, local or resident hunters. So in some ways geographically, because it's past the point of no return for most people's planes, because everybody has a plane in Alaska. Right. It's like having a car here. Right. And um, th there is a lake that you can charter into, and then the, there is a strip that you can charter into on the fall, far side. It's super expensive. Right. So that, that helps. And then some of the other reasons allows you to be isolated. And yeah. Isolation is nice sometimes. Which which is really good. And, and, and without giving our trade secrets, which obviously we want to have because that brings value to our membership and it brings value to what we're trying to achieve for the people who are part of our community, um, the hunters and adventure seekers that we serve every day. Uh, I don't even like to call them clients. Um, you know, maybe members isn't even the right word for them um, because, uh, you know, they're adventure seekers that are expecting us to deliver on what we work real hard to deliver on. But this particular outfitter, selfishly, I, I did this, I paid full price, and I went in selfishly to kill a mature ram and a big ram. Um, and I physically prepared. You, you wanted another full body. I, and, and, and there was one other ancillary, <laughs> there was one other ancillary thing is I need a full body um, uh, doll sheep. And I wanted to go get one, right? And so I had my reasons. You're, you're a three-quarter slammer already. Yes, and it's hard to not envision finishing that slam up, yeah. isn't it? And you have you have some kill explain explain what that means. So, well, the North American Sheep Slam, right, is uh, is the slam we're referring to, not not the Russian slam, which I'm kicking around in my mind. But uh, I've already started in mine. So, <laughs> so you have a, a rocky, you have a desert, you have a doll, and you have a stone. Those are the four North American sheep species. Brian has the doll, the stone. And he's got the desert, the giant desert, by the way, and, if you... Uh, and there is, yeah. Yes, the, and there is a fifth one, which is the California bighorn, but it qualifies it, it, yep. as a... Um, as your bighorn. As your bighorn. Yep. So, but anyway, so... I was just saying that for the purists that are listening. Right. You missed one, and, we, and, we, and I just want to make sure we in, encompass that. Right. Right. So, and you've got two of them full body mounted. I do. You've got two sheep full body mounted in there. An unbelievable, unbelievable piece of art. And I have a Russian snow sheep. Well, I know. That. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm counting that one. And then you've got, obviously, these other two that you're going to get mounted. So, um, I mean, you're almost, you're almost there. And you shot a really nice ram. Um, you know, on your first doll sheep, yep. nine year, nine and a half years old, great ram, great ram. Side. But you know, I mean, you worked him over a little bit when you kicked him off the cliff or yeah, something. There was, no full that, uh, there was no full body <laughs> mount on that. Um, yeah. So anyway, I mean, so that, which one were you missing again? He's so, missing the Rocky Mountain Bighorn. So I'm missing the Rocky Mountain Bighorn from the slam. Okay. Um, it, the, I don't want to say the slam's not important to me. Um, but I'm not driven by just getting, you know what I'm saying, to qualify for that club. Right. Um, I'm driven by sheep hunting, uh, what sheep hunting represents physically, personally, um, emotionally, um, and and conservation driven too. I, I think the sheep, uh, I think the, uh, what's the sheep society? The yeah. Sheep, uh, <laughs> so, and I would say there's something more than that because, in my opinion, because I'm a sheep hunter too, I mean, once you do, you, you figure out, Either are or you, you are. You either are or you aren't. So, I mean, when you start knocking over three, four sheep, you probably are a sheep hunter. That's in your DNA. It's in your blood. They they inhabit a place that is special. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if you have been there and it doesn't freak you out and it doesn't make you poop little green apples and you want to go back, you, you want to go back and there's nothing you can do about it. And I, I would guess that's part of it with you too. Is that not? true a absolutely it 100 percent is i mean i i 
the biggest thing that sheep hunting does for me is it challenges me beyond what I ever thought I could do. And it puts me in the place that I used to see in Fred Bear's field notes when I was a kid growing up in Iowa uh, with no money, um, broke on a little farm, uh, eking out a living by my parents having two, three different companies and me being involved in that it, it's 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 a manifestation of a dream come true for me does that make sense mm -hmm. and so it I, I love to be in that environment to be quite frank that's why caribou hunting is something that i really enjoy too because it puts you in those same places the wilderness and uh um and grizzly w bear hunting. wilderness but di totally different than sheep sheep is sheep is a special 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 yeah. place i mean i'm a mountain guy i you you grew up in they are i guess i, I, and I guess I waverly in denver iowa mm -hmm. is more like caribou Caribou. Well, camp, no, but. What, but but the reason I like caribou <laughs> is because they uh, the ones that they can be in high country, and yeah. I like being out there. It's like right. you know we saw grizzly bears and caribou on this uh, hunt, and I did not uh, partake in shooting either one. I was there for one thing, and nothing to slow me down to get that one right. thing. And uh, and was that a doll sheep? That was a doll sheep. Yeah. Yes. So 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 we were hunting in the Alaska Range, and I apologize for that. That you don't know. That's the only sheep that lives in the Alaska Range. So, Correct. So it's yeah. and that's and I know that's you asked exactly. me the question. Clear. for the right way so it's an indigenous species of the doll range or of the alaska range and of alaska period um it's a beautiful sheep it's white sheep and i like the white ones now what is the alaska range if you were to summarize it in when, when i say alaska okay give me five things that you think about when i say alaska range tell me steep rugged young mountains um shale mm -hmm. <laughs> um uh, white sheep, black shale, um, weather, game, um, game rain, ranch. rain, rain. <laughs> so, so on this hunt, we, we I do want to get back to why we're doing this, but on this hunt, just to give you an idea, the first six days it never stopped raining, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that can wear on a guy. There was four guys in camp, and two of them tapped out. Uh, one tapped out on day four, one tapped out on day five, which I totally understand. Um, because it, it is a mind and mental game. But I like it because it challenges me physically. And I honestly have to tell you, when you see these little female sheep and their ewes and, and them at the top of the mountain and they live in the nastiest cliffs because that's their, uh, um, that's their mechanism for defense. So the guy, who, the guy who tapped out at day five, putting this in perspective, though, They've never gone that far. Without. Yeah, so this outfitter has, without, what well, they've gone that far, but somebody had missed or turned down right. rams. Does that make sense? So, so anyway, we went in there. I went in there to book to kill a big ram to get a full body mount, and that's why we picked this outfitter. The other reason we picked the outfitter is he was super, he's super well organized, uh, runs a, um, a very professional operation, and um, without question has some of the best guides. My guide of all my years sheep hunting, no disrespect to you, Jesse, or Jeff, or, um, or Vladimir, or all the guys I've been with, you've all been amazing, okay? Because now, now I'm going to say something that they're going to, hey, what about me, brother? Um, this one probably had the most experience of any sheep hunter outside of Jeff, maybe. Um, but he specifically focuses on this. And uh, um, and he's killed over 40, anywhere from, he's guided 43 to 45 rams in the last uh, 11 years sheep guiding. And he personally has taken uh, five big rams off the mountain himself. So, you know, you got a guy that's harvested 50 sheep and, um, and is an experienced mountaineer. And um, it was amazing. So I went in to hunt and enjoy this experience. Um, the outcome is going to be now tall-tailed here. And we'll have a conversation about that. But that's why I booked with this particular outfitter. And by the way, we've went 100% for the last three years with this outfitter, never past day three. And big sheep. And big sheep. We, we, they, we've, we have a couple that have exceeded the 40-inch mark. Right. So, I mean, that's this outfitter. Bring. I mean, when you mention this outfit, it's like, okay, they shoot big sheep there too. Yep, and 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 traditionally for an extended period of time they've done this. So so I went in for a trophy, uh, full body mount, and I wanted to do a sheep hunt, but the sheep hunt was first in the adventure. So um, give, to set up the hunt logistically, okay, you fly into Anchorage, okay. Once you land in Anchorage, uh, this particular uh, camp we have a concierge service that picks you up at the airport. 
So it has your name. We want you in a day before the hunt, before actually before you fly out. So we want one full day for luggage to catch up. And if you need to go get your tags, licenses, anything you missed, you can unpack, say, oh, I forgot, um, Compede uh, foot blister repair kit. Okay, um, I need to go get that. Now, good luck getting that. Did you a use lot. yours? I had seven of them on my feet at one time. Did you? Did you get any blisters? <laughs> uh, zero blisters. Yeah. Um, and so I got zero. But, That's but, awesome. But, um, but I, and we'll talk about that in a second. Remind me what my guide, this guide, um, explained to me and saved my butt. Now, I did lose a toe nail on my left foot, my little toe. Mm -hmm. The toenail uh, fell off last night um, because, you know, of just – you and your feet, per man. Permanent damage and stress to that left foot. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, when you put 83 miles on in nine days, th it tends to do that. Um, anyway, um, so went in uh, Anchorage. Then what happens is they pick you up, and we went out in a Navajoa. You land on a big strip on the western side, and, um, and it takes a bigger plane to get over there. Okay, so then once you land there, they pick you up and take you from there into um, into the canyons, up into what they call um, uh, X camp. And then from X camp, you disseminate out and go to Y camp or Z camp, and you're right in sheep. When I got into the my end camp for that day, which would be the outpost camp that we were in, when we got in there that day and sat down to eat, there was 37 ewes and lambs um, 1,150 yards from me standing on the side of a mountain looking. So nothing juices you up more right. than, seeing, than seeing sheep from the outpost camp that you land in. Uh, super organized. When you get off the, um, the plane, they take you to the first camp, which is about three miles from the strip. Um, once you get there, and with this rugged country, it takes about – uh, hour and 35 minutes to get there on that three miles, hour and 40 minutes. Um, you get in, they check you in, they get all your paperwork, they make sure everything's good, you're completely compliant with the state troopers, fish and game, um, and the state. Then what happens from there is they hand you a mug for your pack. Quite, uh, I thought it was super um, good. It has their logo on it and your name on it for coming in. So, because everybody has the same mugs. So, you have a camp mug with your name on it and you don't lose it. Super, super nice, super expensive mug. It's totally packable. It clicks on your pack and uh, away you go. Um, so, I thought that's a nice feature. And then you pair it up with your guides and your packers if you have a packer. Um, I, per I had a packer on this hunt and a guide. Explain what a packer is because people in the lower 48 will have no idea. It's essentially a guide in training, right? It, it would be a guide in training. I, I would say a young guy that has a huge desire to be an outfitter or a guide someday in the, in the mountains and he wants to see if it's for him or not. And they don't get paid a significant amount of money. And they um, get called packers, which is really unfair to them because your guy was different because for the most part, Packers are young. They have no money. They come with the cheapest crap, well, and, and all of their cheap and heavy packer, crap fills up their own backpack, and, and they, they have no room to carry any more stuff. And my packer <laughs> met that profile exactly to T until you got to the inexpensive gear because his dad's a guide and outfitter and was as part of the owner of, of, of this outfit, and he wanted his son in there working his ass off. So um, this young 16-year-old uh, man named Logan – who big shout out to Logan was real? He turned 16 the week before I got there. Oh, cool! So, 16 years old. See, that's immature <laughs> in those mountains. If so you're not really used immature. To it. But I had a 41 year old mountaineering guide that was amazing, named John, which who, is also super unusual because my my oldest sheep hunting guide, for the most part, 33, 34, 31. Yeah. So John is and and John's in great physical shape, but. John was this guy's mentor, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I had a packer. The other reason, now, they, they had given me a packer. Um, and and um, the other reason, and I would always buy it. Like, if, when I go back to Russia this next time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a packer, if not two packers. Okay, because physically for me, I want to keep my pack somewhere around that 20 to 25-pound range maybe up to 30, but would like to keep it somewhere around that 20, 25 pound range all day, every day going up and down the re with my rifle. The reason being is because I want to save my legs. Does this make sense? And I'm 51. I'll be 52 years old here in a couple it's, months. It's the CrossFit principle. Mexico, the, you have packers. Yep. I mean, they just, 
I mean, you got 12 people on, yep. a, on a desert sheep hunt. I, I mean, that might be an exaggeration, but we had six, seven, eight yep. at times. I mean, they want to be there. They want to be helpful. That was a night and day different. Now, of course, we're at sea level, too. Yep. Night and day different because you weren't carrying 40 pounds. I mean, you bring your tripod. You bring your spotting scope. You're at, what, seven, eight pounds right out of the gate. Yep. You bring two Nalgenes of water. You know, that's another five pounds, yep. six pounds. Yep. You know, I mean, pretty soon you're running a 40-pound pack, and you're not, you're not carrying anything special. Right. So, so I had a packer. And uh, it worked really good, and that's exactly what he did for me. He took, you know, and um, we we did we did uh, basically a summit and a half in one day to the highest peak we could look into back bowls. And the last the last summit we dropped all of our stuff off because we were coming back down that way at the steep steep, and we we dropped stuff out of our pack to get light. And um, the guide looked at um, Logan. John looked at Logan and said, "Logan, I need you to wrap that rifle on." your pack and we're going up for the second time because it was like one of those days was 14 16 mile poles to there and then we were coming back three four miles to spike out overnight right because we dropped our spike camp on the way up which great this is why i'm there but just dropping that rifle that eight pounds nine pounds and putting it on his back um made you know it keeps you smiling at the top there's a sweet spot and and you know when you exceed it and it's easy to find out. And, I mean, there's nothing you can do. If you've exceeded it, you're stuck. Right, because it's a mental game anyway. <clears throat> yep. So, so we, we went in. Now, the, 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 what worked well on this is that they're super organized. I've never been – I don't think, like, our other outfitters in that area are super organized, okay? Um, this guide made it more organized than I've ever been. Your guide – was almost an Alaskan master outfitter in quality and no, he could have been an it, outfitter, right. but he was the guide. Still. But he was exactly. the, I mean, he was unusual in, and he was so particular. And he was he's a and communicative, and he's in he's a teacher. I would say so. Here, here's um, why. I mean, he had he had. Well, you can't help but pick up little nuances and tidbits of knowledge when you do it as much as they do it, and when you live where they live, right. And he shared that with you, and that's there's a lot of value in that. Well, because he wanted a, so so so. Just so you know, by day three, um, we hadn't we we had seen one ram day one seven tenths uh, seven eighths curl, and uh, um, just wasn't worth going after. That was the only ram I saw the rest of the trip. Okay, by day four. Okay, and I'm not trying to scare anybody because this is the part where everybody should know what, we don't get the presidential treatment. It's why, not like when I land in camp, like you said, I'm like the vice president of the United States, so we got to have this guy right. find, yep, yep. find a ram. Yep. Okay, we're there to hunt just like everybody else. Now, do they know we're a booking service? Sure, we, we've spent tons. Like I said, we're 100% with this outfitter on big rams, never go to past day three. Most are Not I, anymore. Um, not, not anymore. <laughs> So on day three or four, I forget what it was, um, but but he was very meticulous, and he's the first guy I've ever had that was this way. He wasn't, you're going to do this. He he would in the morning say, okay, here's what we're going to do, okay? Today's, day three, he sat us down and said, listen, we're going to have to start making bigger pulls to find out where these rams are because we're not seeing them where we normally see them, okay? Um, one canyon, I've never been back in there twice and not seen rams. We've looked into there twice now and never seen rams. We've looked at it both angles. Never had that happen in nine years of hunting here. So here's what we're going to do. When we get up in the morning, you're going to drink when I drink. You're going to eat when I eat. If, if I say, let's stop and eat, um, I'm going to remind you gently and then I'm going to educate you why, but you're going to drink. And, and, you're going to guzzle water. And what people might not understand listening to this is when you're exerting that kind of energy. You're an athlete all day long. The day I shot my sheep this year, I didn't eat. I, we were just too busy. Uh, right. We were just going. And well, we, he would have said absolutely right. not acceptable. <laughs> no, I know. But, but the day turns in. The day just it, it, it just keeps going and going and going yep. and going. And you push yourself. Pretty soon – like we got, we got back to camp. Neither of us were hungry. We're just worn out, and you can't do that for ten days in a row. It catches up with you too fast, too hard, and you bonk. Right, and so that's that's exactly what he expressed. So, like 
so day four, I was eating my sandwich because they pack sandwiches every morning, <laughs> which was really nice. Right. And um, and um, and I take combos because I like those little pretzel things yeah. um, for just a little, you know, good energy, good fat. They're, they're There's great. a little carbo. There's yeah, they a got lot of peanut fat. butter in them. That they're good. So that's what I like, right? And so I, I take those, and they had other stuff that you could take, and, and they had plenty of food, but I always bring in some of my own goodies. Well, I was eating my sandwich, and, and, and I was going like crazy because I wasn't hungry, but then you take two bites, and you realize you were starving. And he, he grabbed my arm, and he says, hey, it's going to be a long day. Um, let's not finish that sandwich, okay? <laughs> or we're going to be regretting it at the end of the day. And I'm like, Good idea. Let's put it back. I, so he was so disciplined with me as a hunter to keep me going. Um, chug water. You chug water. No cramps. We got to avoid cramps. I'm chugging water. You're chugging water. And he, he had a demeanor about him that was very instructing and educational, you know, demeanor more than, yeah, because, more than telling you and scolding you. Right. Does that make sense? Because he, w- he was coaching you. Yeah. And, and he was – he, he had a good demeanor and personality with him because that doesn't always go over. I mean, we've seen it all, and sometimes it's like, holy cow, can't wait to get out of camp because that guy is, yeah. Yeah, so the hunt was really good. The guide was really good. My packer was really good. The camp was really good. The reality was there was just no sheep. So what happened? Why so, were there no sheep so in what this happened traditionally is hot spot? We're, they believe that it was winter kill. We saw no legal rams, and I only saw one ram, period. Um, big shout-out to our buddy uh, David T. Williams, Doc. Um, he made it all nine days, too. And the last day, him and I went up into a remote area together and summited one of the highest um, uh, uh, crossover saddles that they have. And we uh, and he did get a blister on that last day. We had to take his boot off and bandage him up. And and so last day, um, but he was in the hurt locker with me every day. So big shout out to David T. Williams. He made it nine days too. We didn't quit. We went everywhere they wanted to go look. The problem is that's no fun for the guide. That's no fun for the outfitter. That's no fun for the packer. You're there for success. So a traditional hotspot. No rams. Oh, what I was going to say is yeah. 36 miles away, we have another camp that we usually go 80% in rams. Yep. And they did. They struggled two years ago to get rams. Yep. This place, they filled out two years ago, but the guide said they'd struggled. Not two years ago, a year ago, they'd struggled. So both places had struggled. This year, one went one for six, and we went zero for four and on that hunt. We in, a, we, in essence, have three camps right in that exact same boom, area. Boom, boom, boom. And, and it was tough. From east to tough, west, north to south, tough it goes right there. in all three of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the Alaska Range, what we found out, Brian, or Bleep and Brad, is that this winter kill, we believe, has decimated the um, – the mature now what i'm not trying to do is be a buzz killer but this is why people want to be a part of what we've done and because we have people going in there and we're going to have to talk to the outfitters about what we're going to do do we move them back three years do we you know how does this play out now because we can't in good faith send people into these camps because you saw a lot of sheep you saw a lot of using lambs i bet we saw over 200 to 225 using lambs. right but these old big rams they 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 get so worn down from the rut and living their life, and they live in a little different Seven spot. to nine-year-old rams. And they, 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 they're they, the they, ones that succumb to the yeah, winter. Yep. They, they are the most exposed. They have the most exposure to failure or die off because they rut so hard. Right. But you only saw one ram. One ram. Yeah. Not legal. So there's a little bit of value in just having somebody look out for you, like you're saying, because – we know traditionally what's been going on in this camp, and we also know we're going to have to make some adjustments. Yes. And so our team, our guys, our clients, 
um, we're looking out for their best Yeah, interests. we'll be getting a hold of them. We yeah. haven't called any of them, alarmed them, because we don't yeah. know. We're going to wait for biologist reports. Yep. We're going to wait for the end-of-the-year reports from world-class outfitters. These aren't cheap hunts, and we don't have shit outfitters in these areas. Right. We're going to look at that. We're going to sit down with them. Um, they're going to get back in there early. They're going to find out, and we're going to have some dynamics to next year's sheep hunting in this area. Does that right. make sense? Yep. Now, the problem is that the Brooks Range was having epic amounts of snow because I was going to come out and try to jump on a plane and go right up to the Brooks Range and spend five more days and try to kill a ram. So I was calling back here, and I, I talked to Lindley, and Lindley was on my sat phone on day seven, and, and I told her, hey, what do you think if I stayed five more days and went to a different camp in the Brooks Range and tried to kill a sheep? I'm in good shape. I got all my gear here. And Lindley's like, I don't care if you stay 10 days. Go do it. Have fun. So then I go, okay, talk to Kelly. Well, the report back from Kelly was they're having tremendous amounts of snow in the Brooks Range, so the weather was tough and things were backed up. So getting me in logistically didn't work, and I was just trying to be selfish anyway. Yeah, and, and that camp's super isolated. When yeah. we say isolated, that's a whole different deal. That yeah, one it is. But, but there, it was worth me passing but, a Hail Mary yeah, out to find yeah, out, yeah, right? Yeah, but, but, but for you, what they were having trouble with is now they have guys that need to get out and guys that and need the guys that right. need to get so in. So everything and was you were just another monkey in the ranch, right? So let me ask you this question, Brian. So you were in pretty early, right? Because you I was like in the August. second. I was in the second hunt, and this is the first time I've never done done the first hunt. Okay, so going in, did you have any? Yes. Any knowledge? No. That you were going to oh, be. Yes. You were going to be facing these circumstances going in. Yes, I did. So I had gotten a report back from our outfitter that was on um, on, on, uh, on the city side, side um, that's working this year more on the logistics end than being in there, and he was flying out on the weekends to see the camp. Um, I'd gotten a report from them, and I'd also got a Delorum text from a guide that I have a relationship that has been a sheep guide of mine in the past, Jesse, that said, ooh, tough, tough. tough. I know you're going in with this. See, everybody knows everybody there. Our network of outfitters, they're not fighting with each other. We, we don't go, oh, you're booking here, you're booking here. They're different. That's where our hunt, our hunt plan comes in because they each are different type of hunts. This is a spike, pa spike camp backpack hunt. The other one is a mobile. We have six wheelers that go up and down and save you on your ascent. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. so, so these are different type of hunts. And they all work together and have respect for each other, our three outfitters in that area. And so I was getting word that, that, that the sheep hunting was tough. So you went in knowing that. I did. However, the caveat was that these guys found rams on the first hunt. I was the second hunt. The three hunters that were in there before me all killed nice rams. So, so the next thing is you get all this intelligence. This is available to members, too, if they call in. Yes, and, and we are keeping our members. So we have Kelly, Mary, Lindley, yourself. Um, we have Brian Martin. We have Brad Dana. We have myself. Um, and we are working. We are constantly working with um, this intel that we're getting to be communicating to our members as they're booking hunts in and out. It's no different than we had a 10-year-old kid kill an 11-year-old ram already in British Columbia this year. We've had a doctor kill a 40-inch ram um, in British Columbia. We knew what was going on in British Columbia, and we just had another one of our members, um, Mr. Jim Bonanno, um, we just found out last night, spent the mountain night on the mountain. He got the full Monty, um, but he had killed an 11-year-old ram. So so that was the picture with a 165-inch ram that was wow. killed, me going in. That's that was pretty me, nice. That was me taking the pictures of those. So, you know, we were thinking, great, but the look you, of— You didn't, you didn't anticipate—I mean, you can't, you can't prepare yourself to anticipate this. All you can prepare yourself for is you, you just do what you have to do, get in there, be as prepared as you possibly can. I think that's a good can. point. Be mentally prepared yep. at, at the best you can, and you take what Mother Nature— um, your guide, your outfitter, you know, I mean, life throws at you. You just do it. You just muscle up and, uh, uh, you know. And the guides the guides knew when we were getting in there because he told me, listen, um, you know, but they didn't know because they'd saved a lot of their honey holes. So by day four, they were worried, you know. And so, but let's, let's go to what else worked on the hunt. So everything else worked on the hunt. Here's what worked on the hunt, okay. <laughs> um, here's, here's what worked on the hunt. Um, Kenetrex. I had messed around earlier before season 
trying a lighter boot. I'd read a lot of sheep hunting reviews on lighter boots, make it easier because your feet are lighter, okay? I have some comments on that too. I didn't I didn't go that route because I was having hot spots with with um with the lighter boots with a 20-pound pack on my back. The week before I went, I was going past Brad's house early in the morning and um and I was having hot spots, and my feet were sore. And Brian so, Martin was pretty vocal about that, and, too. And Brian, Brian was yeah, – And he's, he's, usually, he's usually fun, funny. This is one of those deals. No, you do not know. Adamant about <laughs> – No. To the point of being pissed that all those yeah. reviews, all those stupid articles by these silly, dumb son-of-a-suckers writing articles thinking it's cute, that's good on a little sheep hunt where you're jumping up and down on the mountains in maybe Mexico, but where you're going in a wilderness – Backpack ten day hunt? Are you freaking kidding me? To the, the extent that he even goes a little, he uses the same kind of boot, but he uses the orthotic ones. He did. He even and, uses. And, yeah, I yeah, mean, one he, with a brace in brace it. Brace in it. So, so Kenetrek, I, I stayed with my Kenetrex. I like the Mountain Extremes. I don't like the heavy Vibram sole. The reason I like the Mountain Extremes is because they 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 fit me more like a tennis shoe. I'm a little more agile and mobile because I don't have as stiff a sole, and I have a more dynamics or um, uh, articulation of my movement. Does that make sense mm -hmm. in that, that boot, okay? Um, and uh, that helps me, okay? I feel like, you know, my dexterity is, uh, I have more dexterity with that boot, okay? So I like that boot. I'm glad I, th those were amazing. 83 miles, nothing they were impervious. Now, the rubber rand uh, um, did slip. First time I've ever had a rubber rand slip on those boots. But the abuse they took, I've never been on a hunt that I've – and I've obviously been on a, few, a handful of these. And, and um, uh, it, the boot held up. Compede. We don't sell them on our website. I want to become a dealer. I just ordered a bunch more from Amazon. Mm -hmm. Compede. They're these little the discs. I get the medium oval egg-shaped ones, okay? Right. If they're too big, um, like the first day um, I had sock rub or the third day I had sock rub coming down off the mountain, okay? Another suggestion that worked. My guide, okay, we're coming off the mountain. Everybody sit down, lace up your boots. Get them tighter than they were going up. Yeah. I was like, oh, contra this is amazing. <clears throat> Legitimate concept. Otherwise, you're going to get sock wear. We're going to have sore feet, and we're going to accelerate any type of hot spots that are on your feet. I was like, ooh. So he would have us pull our socks off, tighten our boots up because we're coming down. You need more support on the down than you do on the up. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That worked. Um, the Compedes, I had one problem day three or four on the, my first, my big toe on my left foot, which I have a lot of problems with my left foot anyway, um, was feeling disdained and I could feel like I thought was a blister. We he goes, if you feel it anywhere, we stop. Okay. Before it goes too far, I would rather treat it early than late. Right. So worked super well. I thought I was going to have a blister. Didn't. It was a hot spot. Put that Compede, cut it in half, tucked it on there. By the end of the trip, I had six different spots on my feet with those compedes. They adhere to your foot like skin, and they're like a they're they're like a three millimeter uh, callus that goes on there. Yeah, a little. It's actually, it's actually like an artificial blister almost. It a is little cushion. That's exactly what it um, looks like. So, did you do you tape over those? No, you didn't. Uh -uh. I usually do. No, I don't tape over them. And 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 one of the things that the guys were worried about was they were like. These stick so well because my guide had seen them before, and he's like, I've seen those, and those are amazing. But they stick so well to your foot that I had them on for s that one for seven days, and I took a shower. The la I didn't take them off till I got back to right. Anchorage. So we got those from that Brian Tellerico. Or tell I think yeah, shout out to him. Yeah, because that's amazing. He's an orthopedic mountain, surgeon. Mountain Med. Uh, yeah, he, does, he sells these med. Uh, you know, he's he's a legit dude. He's a hardcore hunter. What, what's um, is it? And we got medical? his first something. We we got his first aid kits, and they were in them, and they were one of the truly genius things, um, because I've I've always carried moleskin. Um, but yeah, me too. They've revolutionized blister care. I would say you bring those, and I and I always have Luco tape. So so that's what worked well. Um, the second thing that worked well um, is uh, um, uh, uh, 
my uh, my rain gear, my top, mm-hmm. um, I, I, from Kings worked really well. The pants still struggle. Um, they slipped a little bit. They didn't work as well. Um, I did use them the whole time. They were effective. Um, so the but, Kings rain gear is essentially a light Helly Hansen Impertec would be my analogy yep. for it. Um, it's rubber. Yep. And, and Stretchable rubber. But I got to tell you, the, super nice. the top was super good. Mm-hmm. Um, it worked as good as my Black Diamond did years in past. Yep. I like I like um, it. I, I've used them a lot. And I enjoyed that. What else worked um, is uh, my, my pack. I've never been happier with my Mystery Ranch pack. Go to our website, uh, rollingbones.com. Uh, look at our products. The Mystery Ranch, I, I, I particularly took, the, or I take the uh, Metcalf mm-hmm. is the bag I use. Um, I would consider the other Marshall. I would consider the Marshall, not because I'm going to put more room in it, but it has three external pockets Mm -hmm. that I can get at. And I love the hood, but I would want one or two more um, external pockets because I want to put my rain gear on one side and my layering system on the outside. Then I don't have to get into the inside. The the reason I say that is because by the time I get my rifle on the outside, I like my rifle on the outside center with the hood over it. No problem. Zero issue. Just would like that. Right. Um, the other thing that worked well for me is the new iPhone. Um, I used it for more video than I did the little camera. The last two days I left my small camera back with this iPhone and the selfie stick. And not just for me to use the selfie stick on me, but to turn it around and hold that camera steady and video what I wanted to do. I could take that selfie stick out, and it was like having my tripod that I was using. Where we used to just hold our tripods mm-hmm. with the camera mounted on the end of it. It acted at the same thing, and I got just as good digital quality um, on 4K. this iPhone 4K. Yep. Um, so that worked really well. Um, my field optics a small tripod that has the camera clamp on it to get pictures of me, my guides, and take two seconds and put it on a rock and go, hey, guys, jump in here. Um, I was able to document. I took 1,100 photos. It didn't slow me down, and I got everything like I had a cameraman there almost because I was able to set that up. I walked past it a couple of times. I got the footage myself. It helped me self-film this. Yeah. Does that make sense? That worked well. Right. Um, uh, there was one other thing I was thinking of. that. Oh, my Nalgene, my Nalgene bottle and my uh, um, ozone pen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Anything below um, a certain level, when we got back into Alpine where I saw bear tracks, um, I did ozone pen all right. my because I've had uh, Giardia before, right. and I'm super skeptical of it. And my stomach is um, that yeah. worked real well. So the ozone pen, that's that's a cool thing. It's it's like a steri pen. A lot of people have used the steri pen that uses UV, but this uh, this trickles a little ozone, and uh, you can smell it. You can see it activate in the water. Um, and the neat thing about that is you can actually, if you hit it a little harder. You can literally clean some. You could use it as a disinfectant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a cool yeah, little thing. That makes sense. So all that worked um, outstanding. And uh, um, they, they just jokingly, the guide said, is there any food or allergies you have? And I said, I have an allergy to not having Diet Mountain Dew for an extended period of my life. And on one of the uh, summits, um, my guide goes, oh, look what I have. And uh, <laughs> he brought you ice cream. Huh? <laughs> no, yeah, he had a diet Mountain Dew, and uh, I was sweating because it rained. It rained for seven, the first six days, and I was wet, <laughs> not from the rain, but pure sweat because it was like going to fat camp it's, for yeah, me. It's six, six of one half dozen of the other. You're going to sweat from the inside or the outside. And, and I tell you what, I saved that. And that night, I got in my tent on our spike camp, and I got my little tent, and I cracked it open, and I had my sat phone up, and I was texting. And Lindley and I was taking pictures of myself with a little Mountain Dew. Uh, I had my little girlfriend soda pop in my uh, tent with me, and uh, it made for a nice evening um, after a uh, warm bag of Mountain House. So anyway, that's what worked. So I guess the last thing what we are going to talk about in closing today was the value in in our what you call dynamic hunt catalog i would call it it's it's like its own environment our hunt catalog um and for those of you who have not been there 
Go to rollingbones.com. Hey, listen, don't become a member if you don't want to. Don't do nothing. We just want you to look at our adventure catalog. Go, go, go look at our amazing this environment that we've created, this dynamic ecosystem of hunts that lives there. And uh, um, it's just amazing. You can do a hunt plan and get your best matches, whether it be bear hunts, caribou hunts, sheep hunts. But us constantly, I saw more value in us because our members, the uh, in yeah, for the most part, uh, uh, you know, you go to a white-tailed deer hunt. Yeah, you could lose some deer. Um, something as dramatic as what you experienced is almost unprecedented. Yeah, but that but and, us and, continuing yep. to inspect and 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 all of the people that we have out because Noel Erickson's in camp this week, Brandon right. Neal's in camp next week. Um, we have people everywhere going right. to these camps and they're giving us feedback all the time. And Kelly and Mary and Lindley are always updating. And Brian, you're updating with the information coming out to them, bleep. Yeah, we get to update vicariously through our guides and our hunters. I mean, yeah. we have a pretty deep network. And and we and they know what we're up to and the relationship and the narrative that we want to produce and push forward to you is that we have this constant communication to an outdoor resource that offers savings, adventure, value, and education. And that comes through everything, especially that adventure catalog. So I think that our um, hunt catalog and the environment we create inside that dynamic living organism that's always going is amazing because if we wouldn't have been there, how do we know? Right. And if we wouldn't have seen it, how do we know? And we're in and out all the time. And I want everybody to know that I don't get preferential treatment. You don't get preferential treatment. Right. People don't go. And, and when we're vetting a new camp, we we disdain from saying, hey, we're with Rolling Bones Outdoors. We're a great big giant booking service um, that does millions of dollars in sales a year. And we would like to uh, invite ourselves in and see if you'd be one of the candidates for us to sell your hunts. That, that sets us up in a puts us in a precarious situation because now they go, okay, we got these guys coming into camp. We got to make sure everything's just okay because we want them to market our hunts. We yeah. do just the opposite. Right. Is that not right? Oh, yeah, that's 100% right. I mean, so much so that a lot of times we try to anonymously um, go into a camp, which is harder now than it obviously used to be. But, uh, yeah, we try to keep a low profile and, and evaluate. You know, I mean, we're, we're a hunter and we're a business owner. And so we have, we look through this in different lenses. We look through this in the eyes of a hunter. Um, we look through this in the eyes of a booking agent. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot that we look at when we go into a camp. It actually, um, you know, let's work. We appreciate you listening today. And I, I, I just got to tell you, here's a quick reminder. Um, be sure to subscribe to Hunt the World wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Also, share the podcast with your hunting buddies and friends. We'd love to have them join us. We really are trying to not be an inclusive club or an exclusive, an exclusive. An exclusive club. We want to be an inclusive club to help you get what you want from the outdoor industry. And now's a good time to invite you to become uh, a Rolling Bones member at rollingbones.com. Go in there, check on our, click on our membership, look at all three of them, see if one of them fits you. If it does, go ahead and give us a, 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 a test and we'll engage with you. We'll make sure we help you build a hunt plans, a application strategy, and no matter what you're looking for from A to Z, we can help you. You're looking to put a hunt on layaway. Our layaway program is unique to the industry. Um, we'd love to share it with you. Dial 605-644-8000, give us a call. Ask for, ask for uh, Kelly, ask for Mary, ask for Lindley, ask for Brian, Brad, ask for Brian Martin. We'd be love to take your call. We'd love to talk to you. If you have any questions about anything from from Alaska to Nebraska to shooting to to uh, um, uh, to adventure travel, we'd love to help you. Um, even if it's just to give you the smallest information, that's what we do. So until next week, stay safe, be healthy, and happy hunting.